Welcome to episode 16 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I'm Narayan. And I'm Anisha Motwani. Anisha, every norm we pick to storm is of strategic importance to business. But I dare say today's is particularly critical and especially relevant in these turbulent times. I know we always say our norms are the most strategically relevant and that's what we do to curate and pick up the best norms. But today specifically, why do you say that? As usual, I'm going to digress for a minute. Uh, But I think you'd agree that trust in government is possibly at an all-time low across the world right now. But the task that underlies government, that of governance, is a critical pillar of business also. And uh, there is both a similar trust deficit and a dire need for governance to be seen not just as compliance, but as a strategic tool for shaping business success, I think. And in that context, today's norm, that Indian boards are more statutory than strategic and in the bargain end up as rubber stamps, I think that takes on renewed significance, don't you think? You're absolutely right, Narayan. But I imagine the potential problem of lame duck boards is not just an Indian one. And it's got to do with the presence or absence of certain critical traits on the boards, don't you think? You're right, Anisha. And uh, I was actually reading this HPR article the other day about what makes great boards great. And some of the conventional factors don't seem to matter at all, as history bears testimony. Uh, for example, the turn of the century saw the collapse of Enron, WorldCom, Tyco, Adelphia. 2008, of course, saw the collapse of Lehman Brothers, mm-hmm. where other financial giants didn't similarly collapse. There's the case of Nissan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they all had boards with great experience, diversity, equity involvement, independence. And they all oversaw governance as well as strategy. True. And geography definitely doesn't seem to guarantee success either. Absolutely. Because closer home, we've seen the tussles in the past few years in two of the most iconic Indian companies, Tata Sons and Infosys. And so I'm tempted to ask, much like how it's asked in journalism, who will watch the watchers, right? So what governs the ones tasked with governance? What really makes for a great board? What qualities, what outcomes? I don't know if you intended to, but the examples you've cited also show that it's not an either-or scenario between lame duck boards and great boards. There are a lot of shades of failure and success in between. And governance, the combination of forward-looking businesses, strategy, policy and adherence to legal, ethical compliance standards, this all depends not on the hard factors alone, Mm. but on other softer things like trust and collaboration between board and members emotional and not just equity involvement in the company and so on. So there are various factors that Mm. come into play when Mm. it comes to defining this dynamism. That also makes me think of a very specific and contemporary context in Indian business. In the era of VC-backed and not equity-backed companies with oversized market valuations that are not reflected in market performance, what role must boards play? I mean, how do they weather the storms of whimsical founders? And if you remember, uh, housing.com, yes. yes. Mm, it's almost like VC firms bets are like some James Bond movies <laughs> from Casino Royale, right? A couple of episodes ago, I distinctly remember we had G.V. Ravi Shankar, a managing director at Sequoia India. Now, he was clearly a hands-on, hands-on investor. investor. He brought equity, experience, expertise from the point of view of the VC uh, as he served on many startup boards. 
But in fact, I think that only reinforces my point of whether such conventional yardsticks suffice to measure a boat's performance. Now, what did you have for <laughs> breakfast today, Narayan? You are asking some hard questions, but the fact is that uh, today companies are run by a very eclectic mix of promoters. Mm. So, at one hand, you have these what you called as the new gen VC backed mm. promoters. On the other side, you have some family run businesses, you yeah. know, which have come down generations. And then, of course, you have global companies run through professionally run boards, and there are many in between. And the dynamics, therefore, are so different depending on who is the lead anchor on that board. True, true. Yeah. And, and to answer your question, it's not my breakfast. <laughs> so much as the fact that I think uh, you'll agree, disruption has never before been the norm like it is now. Yeah, yeah. You know, at governance, the responsibility of boards to ensure management does not have unchecked power. It's a negative role in yeah, its nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and strategy is typically also the management's responsibility, at least the crafting of it even if the board can assume the role of examining strategy critically. So my question, or the additional question is, what is the most critical positive role a board can take on, especially now when disruption and FUCA are the norm? See, I have a few specific thoughts on this, being a board member with multiple companies myself. Mm. The days of boards being a collection of CEOs or promoters, best friends are actually behind us. Mm. Boards of integrity do want far more to be identified as well-run boards mm. and not just as board members as necessary VIPs who meet four <laughs> to eight times in a year to rubber stamp the mm. management's decisions. Mm. Uh, board directors want to contribute. I have seen that. You mm. know, There are directors mm. today who really want to make a valuable contribution to the board mm. and use their full range of talents. Mm. They want to be more involved in strategy and discussions at the top level. Mm. So to that extent, uh, the onus is as much on the company uh, to leverage the board as it is on the board to start contributing and actively participating. But before I let my thoughts run away, I think we have someone else who is far, far more experienced uh, to hear from first, isn't it? Indeed we do, Anisha. But before I introduce our guest expert for the day, I must say this. You know, the experts we bring on a podcast don't just seem to storm the norms we said before them, they kind of blow them to smithereens. <laughs> and I have a feeling something like that will happen today. Um, so with that, let me introduce Mr. Shailesh Harimakti, Chairman. Shailesh is a renowned chartered and cost accountant and a certified internal auditor, financial planner and fraud examiner with experience of over four decades. Yeah. Uh, so I think with his passion, with his experience, with his range of expertise, I'm fairly sure we're going to have a really good interview with him over here. Thank you so much, Shalish, for joining us. Uh, it's a delight and an honor to have you and somebody of your stature here for our podcast today. Thank you so much for being here today. Delighted to be with you all. Yes. Thank you. The norm we would like to challenge with your uh, deep perspective is to say that Indian company boards are more statutory than strategic. And in the bargain, they end up as rubber stamps. So another way of putting the same thing, Salesh, is that Indian boards are namesake and don't have skin in the game. Well, I have to completely disagree with that. And I think we need to really storm this norm, not just because it is not the truth, but because it is too dangerous if it were to be the real fact of the matter. 
Now mm-hmm. I can accept that depending on the complexity of a company, depending on if a company, for example, has a simple need to just track the investment in a in a few organizations that it has made it in, then it may need to be a statutory board, and there are there is value attached to even that. So we need to look at this in terms of the kinds of organizations that we are dealing with. Hmm. When an organization becomes large and it has a huge number of stakeholders who get interested or affected by it, then you can never have a board which is pure rubber stamp. Then it would be dangerous and it would be against the interest of stakeholders. And therefore, the good news for India is that this is one area where we are certainly counted in the top few countries in the world. And that is because we have not allowed this norm, which you stated, to gain actual ascendancy. But having said that, strategy is management's domain. Okay, A board that meets every quarter for a limited period of time how viable is it for management to actually you know create strategic agendas that come up to the board for discussion without the board having a deep insight into the business domain and then be able to do justice to the contributions that you make to the management fantastic question anisha and i would like to address it very squarely it is important that you do not take up a board position if you are not committed to fully understanding the business model of the company. And that cannot happen simply by reading an annual report or some literature that that company gives you. You need to meet people, you need to go visit sites, you need to go visit factories, you need to interact with customers, with suppliers. You need to do a 360 degree absorption into understanding of the business model. So if you don't have the time, the stomach, or the inclination to do that, don't join a board at all. But if you have that time and stomach, then first of all, four board meetings is not a norm anymore. At a minimum in almost every board that I sit on, we have five, if not six meetings. And let me give you the example of two very leading companies in our country, Ambuja Cement and ACC. Last few months, we have had a level of engagement which is far higher than ever before. One, of course, driven by the peculiar circumstances of COVID-19 that all the whole world is facing. But more importantly, to have single agenda item driven board meetings. So we had one on digitalization. We had one on innovation and R&D. Now, this is truly a best practice that is emerging. So that, as Anisha rightly pointed out, how can you challenge strategy or participate in strategy if you don't have the depth of knowledge and understanding of the business? And therefore, companies are now going out on a limb to make sure that their board gets that necessary education, that uh, input, which will enable them to then, in the context of their past experience, their other experiences, Come and make contributions. And the respect and mutual understanding that needs to be developed between the operating managers at the highest level and the board is of critical importance. They must see you 
as a sounding board, as a coach, as a mentor, as whatever, in order that that relationship gets built on the foundation of something solid. And if you can achieve that, and that's very possible, because in all boards, we now have a open free access, both to physical facilities and to people and to the external world. And we rely on the discretion of board members not to go beyond the line. You don't become an operating manager. You just are there because you want to understand and absorb so that you can then correlate your other experiences and in an appropriate forum, make a respectful input, which will drive change. So that's where the subtle difference between a well-functioning board with the right impulses and with the right education and the right atmosphere for contribution can be built. What's your ratio of the right functioning boards, uh, you know, just the way you described it, as you currently see it? I think the CAGR of the improving boards is accelerating. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is an important trend. Maybe today we are at a reasonably low level Maybe it's 15, 20%, maybe even less. Okay. But the CAGR of incremental approach to this kind of board management is what is heartening to me. Okay. Uh, and a lot of times in real world scenarios, so for example, in a, in a family run company, key business decisions are taken probably at the dinner table at a family forum. And therefore, the promoter may love to live with an ornamental board uh, and do you in your experience do you observe a difference you, know, you, you are absolutely right you know it starts out with that Narayan mm. it always starts out with that but then as they see the contribution of the independent directors there is a transformational change that I have seen visibly and patently happen because they start seeing my god should I now make sure that I get the best possible professional manager to manage this part of my business. And should I step away? Mm. Should I just give the benefit of my overall uh, contacts and my wisdom and my experience? Or should I keep chonch moraving, so to speak, in, in the operation of the company and giving an yeah. interpretation or an input in almost every operational decision? I've seen this happen. And it takes time. It does not happen on day one. It happens as they start experiencing the good contribution that an independent voice, an independent force, a sounding board, a coach, a person who is not, who doesn't have, who doesn't have zero skin in the game because you have liability, you have uh, whatever else which is involved in your being on the board, your reputation is at stake. So many things are at stake but who's objective. So there is no ax to grind. He's not in favor of one or the other. And when people start thinking about it in the right way, they, I have known people who started with wanting only a rubber stamp statutory board. And today they are saying that the board gives me protection from myself. Mm. Mm. You know, the biggest danger to an enterprise is somebody thinking that they are all knowing about it and therefore operating from that wrong belief, misplaced belief. Mm. Because if you don't allow the windows of the world 
to bring in the fresh air and the fresh thoughts and the innovation and the disruptive forces, then you will just be blindsided when you are met with a challenge that you don't know. Mm. You're not ready to deal with. Mm. Mm. Especially in light of, you know, this chief digital transformation officer called COVID-19, which has offended so many businesses. So well put, Narayan. Uh, So well put. I like that. (laughs) I'm going to steal your quotable quote. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's public knowledge. It's not mine. (laughs) But especially given uh, that is a core part of uh, every business and the environment itself currently, uh, and given that most board members are experienced and from a different era, uh, do you think majority company boards have the appropriate mix of skills and experience to navigate the current business conditions and challenges? Well, the good news is that people have fastened their thought process onto three issues, cash, cost, and safety. Hmm. If you see the board engagements over the last six months, and if you were to be able to take a video recording of everything that happened, you will find these three themes as being starkly more pronounced. Cash, cost, and safety of people. Okay? But the bad news is that some are so badly disrupted and some have discovered that their entire business model was flawed. Mm. For example, the whole idea of subtractive manufacturing is now obsolete. You cannot have a situation where you are bringing in some material, you're processing it, you're wasting 5% of it, you don't know what to do with it, there are all kinds of question marks about what's happening there. You make Mm. products which are 95% good. So what happens to the 5% which are not good? Mm. What about returns? What about all of that? This whole wasteful behavior has Mm. built costs which you did not even, you don't even record in your financial statement. They don't get recorded. And then you find that you simply can't operate because there are others who have discovered digital manufacturing, 3D printing, robotics, analytics, um, artificial intelligence, machine learning. And they've applied it to their manufacturing processes, to their uh, marketing processes, to their whole value chain. And you suddenly find that your cost curve is completely different and you're disrupted. So then what you need to do is to figure out, can you get onto that curve or do you need to really close down and extract whatever you can from your physical assets while you can do it? Because the minute you find that you're obsolete, the value of your assets goes down. And a lot of businesses will have to figure out how to quietly close down because they are truly and sincerely disrupted. It's a multiplication. It's like a swarm of black swans that has descended on the world today. I've never seen an atmosphere which, there are, which is fraught with so many challenges at the same time. Everything seems to be new, disrupted. And therefore, you need to have the compass. So you need a moral compass. You need an intellectual compass. You need a knowledge compass. And you need a technology compass. Today, you need four compasses to navigate yourself out of these very difficult circumstances. Thank you so much. It's been such a delight. 
Yeah. No, it's been an absolute delight. Anisha, listening to Shailesh, I'm thinking Indian industry is in pretty decent hands. I love the way he wove lived experiences with data-backed insights and observations to make his points. As I expected, he didn't just make sense. I think he gave a rousing rallying cry and pointed unequivocally towards the direction Indian boards need to take and guide them to figure out how to constitute a successful board. What about you, Anisha? What STN hacks do you have for listeners this time around? What insights and pointers can Indian businesses use to storm this norm? As always, I have five hacks this time too. They sound fairly simple, but I find them really effective in getting most out of the boards. Okay. okay. And a lot of it also comes with personal experience. Even better. <laughs> the first one, of course, is that the board is only as good as the CEO wants it to be. CEO or the promoter or like mm. I said, whoever is the anchor mm. uh, of that company. Mm. CEO should step up and realize that the board is a strategic asset and it is incumbent on him or her to take the lead in cultivating the shift to a strategic board. Mm. Because let's not forget, it's the CEO who is in a position to exert the greatest influence over what boards focus on and actually craft the agenda accordingly. The CEO should also set the tone for the relationship between the board and the management Mm. and actually adamantly work towards creating a culture of mutual trust and respect. I like that word adamantly. (laughs) (laughs) The CEO needs to understand that the board has no reason not to want him to be or her the most successful. Sure. And if you ask me, in my opinion, if the CEO complains that the board is not doing much for them, in a a sense, it is the CEO's own fault Mm -hmm. for not having taken full advantage of the assets that are available to him at his disposal. Absolutely. I mean, why would you not want to take advantage of that? Absolutely. Diverse skills. You've handpicked your board members. You played a role in that. And now it's up to you to put them to good good use. Absolutely. Okay. That's one. The second one is about not having a yes culture board. Mm. Okay. It's important that you instigate good tension in a board. That sounds intriguing. So constructive tension knowing how to manage that conflict and taking advantage of that tension. I think that's a a very important role that the CEO and also the board chair can play. Mm. Okay. One of the key aspects of leveraging tension is not to be too quick to cut off a difficult conversation, but instead letting it play out. Generally, what one observes is if it is a sticky conversation, you tend to just glide through it Mm, rather mm, than mm. actually surface it and smart thing would be to re-articulate it if the tone is a little aggressive to re-articulate it but engage in a meaningful conversation Mm. rather than brush it under the carpet Mm. the third one is about providing the boards with insights and not just information The biggest complaints that most directors have is about an impossible volume of information that they're expected to digest and that too in a very short period of time. The governance responsibilities on the boards is almost like everything is upward delegated to the board. So ton loads of, you know, documents and information comes to the board. Now, how do you structure that information? How do you format that information such that it is not like boring, monotonous, same set of information that keeps coming where you also just gloss over it or tend to skip it? 
so that for me is is a big challenge mm. how do you curate information prioritize mm. information such that the attention comes to what is the most important uh, aspect in that information okay that's three we in many ways there are many other points are the, you know also subsume under this one because this is a larger point defining and managing the board culture as a strategic asset with growing stakeholder scrutiny on board performance and increasing board diversity shareholder activism has been gaining momentum and mm. you just gave some examples in that context mm. and it is important for boards striving to be more dynamic performance oriented and shareholder focused to get the culture right mm. okay mm. and culture is not a code that's inscribed or documented anywhere it's unwritten rules that influence directors interactions with each other you know it's like the 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 group dynamics that happen is the board composition right and also little things like the rituals what mm. is the mm. how have you set the board agenda is it more strategic what are you prioritizing things on that is what creates the culture we all know that you know culture is the softer aspect but in the case of boards the culture takes a long period to evolve because the boards don't meet that frequently they right. only meet uh, intermittently so that is why it's very important that each interaction actually is a lot more meaningful and when you do that if you have a vision of what kind of a board do you want do you want a passive board do you want a collaborative board do you want an inquisitive curious board mm-hmm. uh, do you want a structured and a disciplined board decisive that just goes in you put the agenda there tick 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 you've given them all the information you just want them want some decisions in and out you have to decide what mm-hmm. culture you mm-hmm. want or do you want a board which is a lot more uh, interactive where there are lots of brainstorming sessions happening that's in your hand so define and manage the culture that you would want for your board and accordingly play everything out you know apart from the fact that it's such a important hack in itself what i love about this is you know that old adage of culture eats strategy for breakfast i love how you inverted it and said actually culture is strategy Choose it like that. It is. It you is know? a absolutely. Yeah. That's how yeah. we actually titled yeah. it. You yeah. know. <laughs> okay. And the, and the last one is, I think it's important to balance the effort reward equation. Mm. If you are going to ask the directors to engage more deeply and spend a lot more time exploring the long term strategy, uh, and to take on the attendant reputational risk today that comes alongside. then we must build in longer term rewards you know such mm-hmm. that there is stickiness and there is stake uh, in the board mm-hmm. the directors mm-hmm. have a kind of a more larger stake in the board mm-hmm. uh, process mm-hmm. so for me balancing the effort reward equation will bring the attention of the directors uh, to make it more strategic i have a feeling this is one that um, not given enough attention and boards i mean and companies probably need to look at it a lot more so insightfully hacked as always mm-hmm. amisha uh let me see if i can do justice to it in in my recap uh just for the benefit of everyone so first whether you're a founder or a ceo remember your board is only as good as you want it to be sure second don't shy away from conflict use it to instigate good tension third don't overload the board with information instead insight them with insight fourth create and manage board culture as a strategic asset and finally enhance the effort reward equation so well captured narayan as always thank you anisha well i think then we are good to wrap this up over here uh, so that brings us to the end of episode 16 of storm the norm 
As always, there are now multiple places you can catch us on. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Geo7. All you have to do is just search for Storm the Norm. We're also on Saregama Carvan 2.0 devices on channel 453. So this is Narayan. And Anisha. Signing off for now. We'll be back with a new episode shortly. Thank you and talk to you soon. Thank you.